Hi, my name is Fioni, and I'm a mother, a birth keeper, a teacher, a body worker, a doula, and so much more. Hi, I'm Deborah, and I am a mother, a humanitarian worker, and a student doula. And I'm very passionate about storytelling and about everything that has to do with birth and motherhood. I am a woman's mentor because there's so many things that I do and bring together um, for women on their journey from being pregnant to becoming mothers and, and all the life transitions that women go through. So in this podcast, we are going to bring together women who share their journeys into motherhood with us. And we want women to share their doubts, their fears, what they've learned along the way and their memories. Each woman is unique and has a story to tell. We hope that you love the stories as much as we do. Our goal is to inspire, to inform and to empower. Welcome to the Becoming Mother podcast. Welcome back everyone to the Becoming Mother podcast. Um, today I will be interviewing Deborah and her husband Marcus. If you've been following us on social media, you know that this is why we are here doing this podcast. So I am very excited about it. And I have to admit, I'm a little bit nervous <laughs> because um, I think it's uh, quite an, an intimate moment uh, in our life that we are sharing with the world. I wanted to because I felt it was important to, to tell uh, a different story and, um, and I wanted women to feel empowered uh, because as you will hear uh, in, in my story, in the beginning, if I, I decided to give birth in France, it would have been a completely um, different story for us. Mm. And so that's why, even though I feel like I'm going to be naked in front of everyone uh, by telling my story, uh, I believe that uh, it's important. I, and I hope our listener will uh, enjoy it and feel that um, they can also have uh, the birth that they want. If, um, if they are prepared, if they have the right support with them and, uh, and that their partner needs um, to be prepared as well to be there for them. And I think that's why you wanted to bring Marcus in the picture uh, because I remember that you told him at the end, I don't know if you said that to all the dads, but you told him you are no. the best doula dad. <laughs> no, I don't say that to all the dads. There are, there, are some, there are some dads that can be doula dads and there's some dads that should not be in the birthing room. And I'm, I'm very, you know me, I say it like it is. I have friends who are pregnant at the moment and the dad said to Marcus, I want to go and have a beer with you so we can chat. I want to hear how it was for you. How did you prepare? What help? How were you able to support her during labor? And all these things that men ask themselves, but they don't have the space uh, to talk about it. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Marcus. I'm Deborah's partner and husband. As I said, well, what I do for a living is I manage businesses and run my own business. Because I know a little bit about you, but of course the, the people listening to this don't know much <clears throat> about us, um, the little bit they've, they've heard before. Um, but can you guys start with telling me how, how did you become parents? Was it a conscious decision? Did it just happen? Um, how did you, did you decide to become parents? How did that journey start? Yeah, you know, it's um, funny because I didn't always uh, know that I wanted to become a mother. Uh, there was a point in my life where I was, you know, having the best time of my life, traveling around the world, uh, doing humanitarian work, and I felt I found my purpose in life. So I thought, you know, if it doesn't happen to me to become a mother, it's not a big deal. And um, and so I think when when I reached thirty, maybe it was the hormones, but I felt like, oh wow, I actually want a baby. And when I would see pregnant women in the street, I would feel a bit envious. So I think um, my journey started then around 30 years old, where I felt like I've, I've traveled a lot, I've seen a lot, I've done a lot, and um, I'm looking for something uh, different and uh, another purpose. And um, 
I hadn't found uh, the right person to have a baby with until I met Marcus. <laughs> so how did, how did you guys meet? Uh, we met online during COVID. Um, and we were sort of forced to just talk to each other every single night because uh, Deborah had gone back to France. So we were chatting you know, for about 30, 40 days every evening. And we hadn't met each other yet. Um, yeah, and then she flew down to South Africa. And the next day we we met at, at about nine o'clock. And during lockdown, I just, just before lockdown, I ran away again. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think, yeah, I think the, the story goes that because we were, you know, chatting on the, on the phone for long, very long hours, um we talked about very deep topics we shared a lot of personal stories uh, and got fed close very quickly so things between us uh, moved very quickly as well we moved in together very fast and then started talking about having a baby pretty fast as well um and we we i think it was also about timing um besides having a very strong and special connection, uh, we both felt ready. Um, you know, we felt like it was the right time in our life and it was the right person. So things became very obvious pretty quickly. And um, yeah, it was, it was a, a very quick, um, <laughs> quick uh, story because uh, only a few months after we met, um, I, I got pregnant and it was quite funny because um, I, I was 35 years old when we met um, and I told him, you know, at my age, it takes, you know, time to get pregnant. So even if you start trying now, it's gonna, it's, it takes an average six months to get pregnant. And he was like, okay, then, you know, we can start trying and then we'll see what happens. And then I got pregnant immediately. <laughs> <laughs> And so, I mean, did you guys, you know, did you, did you know that you were pregnant? Did you do a pregnancy test? Did you do the test together? How did that, how did that unfold? My cycles are, are very long. So my, didn't, my period didn't come. So I thought, oh, that's quite normal. Nothing to worry about. It happens. But then uh, I decided to do a test and the test came out negative. So I was like, okay, well, it's a very long cycle. I let her do the test. Um... And then I think the period, her period still didn't come, so we did another test. And this time I read the instruction manual, and there was like in fine print, if there's a faint line, it means you're pregnant. And I was like, there was a faint line on the first one. <laughs> like, baby, we don't actually need to take this test because we know you are pregnant. Um, but we still did the test, and we were actually on holiday with uh, my brother. Um, it was quite... Yeah, quite interesting, like dealing with the news then because we thought we'd only have to deal with it later and everything. But yeah, um, we found out yeah, that it we, was funny. Just... We, we, we had to keep a poker face because it was so early. Um, so we didn't want to tell anyone. But at the same time, I was like, I'm not going to have any wine. So I was giving my wine glass to Marcus without anyone noticing. <laughs> And there were lots of babies because we were with um, three, four couples, and everyone had babies, and uh, and we were, and people were asking us, um, "Do you guys want to have kids?" And we're like, "Yes, maybe." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant! Oh, wonderful! That's a, that's a lovely story. And so, so then, once you were pregnant, um, did you have an idea of how you wanted to birth? Uh, did you have an idea of of what you guys wanted, you know, separately and together? How did how did that journey unfold on deciding um, how you wanted to birth? For me, it was not obvious, and I think if I had been in France, um, I would have gone through the normal hospital um, path, you know. And because I was in South Africa, I did a lot of research, um, asked a lot of people around me. And then, you know, I heard about doulas and then I tried to find a doula. And so 
I, I also read a lot and listened to a lot of podcasts. And, um, and I love the stories um, of women who had a natural birth. I found that really fascinating. And, um, and Marcus' cousin, Leah, she, she runs a healing center in South Africa. And she told, told us that sometimes they host a home birth. And she told us how the, the, the woman, you know, would um, give birth in a, in, a, in a pool and she would run uh, back and forth between the kitchen and the bathroom to add uh, hot water and how special it would be. You know, everything is quiet at night and uh, everyone feels the sacredness of the moment. And I always felt a bit scared, um, you know, not to be in a hospital setting. Because that's how people give birth um, in France most of the time, yeah. and it's what what you hear and what you see in the movies. But at the same time, because I've been doing a lot of yoga and meditation, um, I feel very connected to my body, and um, and then I heard about hypnobirthing, and I did your your course, and I felt. I do trust my body and I think my body is healthy. I had a very smooth pregnancy, so I feel like I can do this, but it was a process. So, I mean, as much as, yeah, how much I get to say about how the birth would be or my ideal birth, um, I always knew that I would want a natural birth um, as natural as possible with as little intervention as possible. Um, partly because of books that I read on um, bacteria and a whole lot of other things. Um, I think there's a lot that happens during the whole birthing process that we don't yet understand and we're not aware of exactly what is happening, how everything interconnects, and, and I thought it was a risk um, not to not to have a natural birth if we could. So it's not that I'm against intervention. It's just that from how little we know about the whole birthing experience and what actually happens there, um, I thought it was a risk not to do it as natural as possible with as little intervention. And also, my in my family, my cousins they had natural births at home, so. I wasn't really, this concept of giving birth in a hospital was a little bit strange. I mean, I was born in a hospital, but I mean, I wasn't fully present then. So, yeah, I think luckily, <laughs> as a, because of my family, it wasn't such a strange concept to give birth at home and had lots of successful births. So, yeah. You know, and, and we don't, you know, you know the, when you say that, I just realized that, it really is what we are told. A lot of how we birth is what what do our families do? Like Deborah was saying, you know, you know, if she'd been in France, she would have done what people do in France because that's what she knew. And you were saying, well, you know, my family had home births, so that was kind of normal to me. Um, so it really is what we know that starts our journey and plants the seeds of what is possible and what is not, and what limits us and what you know, shows us that there's a different way. Yeah, yes, exactly. I mean, and it's also the fears that um, are given to us from our parents or people around us. Because um, when I told my mother that I decided to have a natural birth and not to get any epidural, she told me, you are crazy. Um, that was her, her reaction. And she told, she told me that the day before I gave birth, and I was like, thanks, that's exactly what I need to hear <laughs> before giving birth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, we've spoken about it um, at length. And so it really does, I mean, it really does depend your first few moves that you make. You know, if you go to a gynecologist and it's very easy that you are, I mean, even though a lot of them are, pro-natural or say that they're pro-natural birth. I've heard of so many cases where in the last minute it changes and it's then you've got to 
deal with it for the safety of your child and you basically don't i mean that's not really an option so definitely the first choice that you make if you phone a midwife or if you go along with gynecologist it really depend it will determine what type of birth you have if everything sort of goes naturally or normally yeah yeah so we had a midwife um and uh, we met with her every two months at the very beginning of the pregnancy and then every month and then eventually every two weeks and then every week um so that way we built a relationship with her and we felt like she knew us and she she would know what uh, we wanted uh, and we we asked her a lot of questions and she was amazingly patient in answering all of her questions all our worries and i think building that relationship over time really made us feel confident that we were in the right hands with the right people who share the same views as us about birth and um and she she's extremely experienced in her field um every time we mention her name everyone would say oh yes i know her she's really good um and she yeah she's very pro natural birth so for us it was really also about having the right support team um with us on that day Absolutely because it's a big event it's it's one of the most life-changing events especially for a woman and for her partner so to to feel safe and supported and you know i say to people you know when we talk about pain and you know in the hypnobirthing when i teach i always say you know the same hormones that got the baby in need to get the baby out so you need to feel safe and comfortable and secure And yes, birth can be painful. It depends on what position you're in and who you're with. Same as sex. What position are you in? Who you're doing it with? Um, so it goes hand in hand um, <laughs> with the same hormones. Yeah, sorry. We also just we didn't go with the first uh, midwife that sort of came our path. So we did also like we were a little bit selective of who we wanted to be with. Yeah, and, you know, some people some people don't realize that. Some people think, well, okay, well, this is who's been recommended to me, so this is who I'll go with. And no. I always say to my couples, you know, you are paying a lot of money for a service that you're going to do once or twice, maybe three times in your life. You want to have people who have a, a similar birth philosophy that are able to hear you and and really know your wishes. Um, yeah, it's important. Yeah, you know, and. As you said, uh, I remember during the course is your birth, so your wishes, and I think a lot of people forget that, and um, and I think it was really important for us to have that relationship with the midwife because we ask all the questions and then we we took an antenatal course, and so understanding all the consequences of having a C-section, for example, for us it was out of the question. We We really didn't want uh, to go that way, and so we put um, all the chances outside to have natural birth. So a lot of preparation, the hypnobirthing course, uh, preparing the body, you know, doing everything possible to make sure that we could have a natural birth. So obviously, we knew that if you know there are things that happen sometimes that are out of your control, but there are also things that are are in your control, and I think a lot of people just, you know, rely on doctors and think, okay, they are the specialists here. They have a diploma, so they know exactly, you know, how to handle this. Uh, but really, there are things that uh, we can control, and uh, you know, you can do a lot of yoga to prepare your body, do a lot of meditation to prepare your mind, because your mind gets in the way when it comes to to fear, um, and. And you know, if you had spoken to me 10 years ago, I would have told you, give me all the drugs possible. I don't want to feel any pain. <laughs> um, so it was years of yoga and meditation and, and being connected to my body and to my soul where I knew that I wanted to be connected on that day. I did not want to feel disconnected to my body. And I wanted to be fully present. Um, and I think. Knowing that, then you realize 
that it's possible to do it without uh, any painkillers or any drugs. Yeah. And Marcus, for you, I mean, I mean, I know you aren't the person carrying the baby, but for you, what what did you need to get your head around when when you guys were pregnant? I mean, was there anything that you felt you needed to think about or prepare or? <laughs> um, yeah, when I was a little bit younger, so in my early thirties, I tested the idea of if I wanted to have children or not. Um, so what I did was I envisioned living a life without children for about a month or so and just viewed life from that perspective. And then I changed this perspective and said, okay, well, I'm definitely having children. And I viewed life like that for a month. Um, and you gain some insights, you observe things that you generally wouldn't observe. And it was quite clear that I did want to have children. Um, but more specifically that it needed to be the right person. That So back to the question, which was how much preparation I had to do. Um, I was quite prepared and uh, I did want to have children and I wanted to have children with Debo. So I was quite happy with it and with the situation we were in. Wonderful. Yeah, and I think um, it was with the antenatal class it made us, um, you know, make time to be together, listen to somebody who would talk about all these things related to birth and pregnancy. And then we would come home and on the way home, we would chat about it and, you know, exchange of views. And I, even though, you know, you can't do without an antenatal course, what I liked about it was that it made room in our busy lives to talk about things. Otherwise, you just go on with your life and suddenly it's your due date. Um, and I felt that Marcus felt more involved because of that course, because, you know, he would get very passionate about it. And I mean, that's just so wonderful. The reason why you want to do antenatal preparation with your partner. What I'm aware of is that it's so important for couples to do some kind of antenatal preparation because it really does help to get them on the same page and to ask the hard questions and to talk about the hard things because so often we don't talk about the hard things until the baby's here and then it's like, oh my word, it's, it's too late or yeah, or else it becomes more difficult, um, you know, trying to get your head around to having a baby and all the other stuff. Yeah, I think one of the biggest aspects that is not spoken about enough is the mental aspect of giving birth and so um, just the whole process around it so like you have to be mentally strong you have to be mentally on the same page of what you want to do and those are all things that you can do before the birth and you should do before the birth Absolutely. because by the time the birth happens you don't have a chance to to discuss the finer details and the nuances of of it all but yeah the mental aspect of giving birth i think is a huge aspect that's not really discussed to its full yeah and i remember at some point we were having breakfast and i told you i don't know if i can do it because we we went on with all this birth plan with doing everything naturally without any intervention and i, I told him i don't know if i can do it i, I had suddenly had big doubts and he told me, do you remember what you told me? I can't, re I can't remember word for word, but I said, if you don't think you can do it, you won't be able to do it. Exactly. Absolutely. So you need to decide now that you can do it and you need to stay with that mentality. Wonderful. Okay, yeah. so let's fast forward now to the birth. Start to tell me how did it begin? How did you feel? How did things unfold? So first, for the little anecdote, is that our due date was Marcus' birthday on the 30th of July. <laughs> and the Which big I was joke not was happy that... about. <laughs> <laughs> Why were you not happy about that? I don't want to share my birthday for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so but for some reason, we thought the baby is going to come before his birthday. 
um, we were convinced that he would come before. So two weeks before the due date, you know, we were so ready um, and we were so looking forward to, to meet our baby. But uh, he decided to come after the due date, um, well after the due date, <laughs> almost one week. So we had been impatiently um, looking for that moment for almost three weeks. And um, and I remember I kept telling you, he's still not here. Um, you know, we are still waiting. And Theoni, you sent me a very nice uh, article um, about this space in between. And it, it says beautifully how this uh, moment before you meet your baby is so special because you know you're about to become a mother, but you're not fully a mother yet. And um, and you should take that moment to reflect and feel how sacred this very short time is because you're never going to be back at that moment. Um, and that helped me to, to patient a bit more. <laughs> um, but um, I remember we, we celebrated uh, Marcus' birthday. Um, we just went for lunch together and we thought maybe it's our last lunch out before we have a baby. <laughs> so that was very special. <laughs> and, um, and then a few days later, um, I started having surgeries. Um, contractions and uh, we called you Theoni and you came uh, to our house and um, and I remember you took your your knitting out and you were knitting and uh, and you were observing and you said uh, oh you're having a contraction now yes but it wasn't painful uh, it was very manageable I was bouncing on a big yoga ball and so you said okay I'm gonna leave you to it um just call me back if it becomes more intense or when you want me back i'll come back and then that then nothing happened basically the contraction stopped but they were quite intense um but it stopped <laughs> after after that day when you came to our house um we were a bit disappointed and then went to bed and then actually i had a an insomnia at night so I was awake very early in the morning and then suddenly uh, my water broke when I was in bed uh, so I went to the bathroom to check if it was actually my water and it was so it, it's not you know like in the movies where you have like a bucket of water that forms on the floor it was leaking throughout the day but there were no contractions uh, so I went for an acupuncture session um, and then got back back home had some more contractions but then it would stop so i remember that um the midwife said okay from the the time you your water breaks you have 24 hours uh, to have the baby otherwise we have to find a, a way to induce uh, because then the, there's a risk of uh, infection um, for the baby so uh I took some antibiotics um, in the evening of that day and um, and we're thinking, okay, well, we're going to ha have to have an induction because it's the evening now and nothing is happening. There is no contraction. Um, so I remember we had a, a pizza and then we said, okay, then we're going to bed and tomorrow morning we'll meet our baby. So last night before we meet the baby, as soon as I went to bed, the contraction started because I thought, oh, I'm just going to take a nice rest, you know, getting ready for tomorrow morning. <laughs> but then as soon as I got into bed, um, the contraction started um, and they started immediately really intense. Uh, I couldn't uh, lay down. I had to get up. Um, I was on all fours on my yoga mat in, in the bedroom. And, um, and Marcus had said it. Realizing? No, I just wanted to add a little piece like that you must start is that she had quite strong contractions like for a day and then it would disappear and then two or three days would carry on. And I remember on my birthday, she also had quite 
strong contractions. And I was so tired of waiting for this baby that I was like, baby, it's like, if he comes today, I'm really happy. I just want him <laughs> to come now. I don't want to wait and I don't want to wait and I don't wait forever. But yeah, so there were quite a lot of surges in between and we thought, okay, he's coming now, the contractions are starting now. And then she would take a bath for an hour and then it was the end of it. And then we're like all disappointed. <laughs> and then it's like three days later, nothing. And then suddenly on the fourth day, she's got a contraction and we're getting all excited and then nothing. <laughs> so this did go for, for quite a while. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and that's the problem is that, that, you know, the movies and how people portray birth is that you just at the shops and have it and then it's, oh, my water's broken. Oh, here comes the baby. And that's just how it works. <laughs> And and the fact that you can be lay in an in an on and off in labor for three weeks before the baby comes is really normal. And I think a lot of people are in the dark with that and don't realize that labor can is a process and it that it takes can take three weeks um on and off uh for labor to start because it's a process of becoming mom getting ready and baby getting ready. Okay, so then yeah. what happened? Yeah, so I think definitely those contractions were different. Um, she basically was reeling in pain on the bed. Um, I think because it caught her by surprise. Um, definitely once she got off the bed and she got onto all fours or was bending over and starting to breathe properly and going through what, what she was taught, it became a little bit more bearable. Um, and she instructed me, phone, Diony, tell her to come here now. There wasn't a question of, oh, I might be. She was like, here, I want to hear now. <laughs> I was like, okay, the only here now. <laughs> um, so, so I think that with all the like false labors, once you have the real ones, in this case, once you did have the real contractions that were the sign that the labor was about to properly start, it was very clear for her that this is what, what was happening. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was already dark, so we just lit some candles, tried to help her with breathing and on the ball and getting yeah, getting her to relax. Um, but I think you were about 40 minutes away, and those 40 minutes went by very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got her in the bath, eh? You got her in the bath to yeah. support. Yeah. So, yeah, we had a big bath, uh, so we filled it up with water and uh, sh yeah, definitely helped her a lot. You could see, I could see from the outside that like she was a little bit more in control of the situation. And I assume it's just so, like once you've had quite a few contractions, you're sort of mentally more prepared of what's about to happen. Yeah, but the I contractions were really yeah. uh, close to each other already, mm. very, very mm. quickly. And, and this is what you were saying, Tony, is that my body had been preparing for labor over the, the past uh, few days. So at that point, it just started immediately. And I think by the time you arrived, Tony, after 40, 40 minutes, uh, they were already five minutes apart. So it was quite intense. Uh, and I remember being in the bath, everything was dark. Uh, there were just some candles and, and the music. And... Um, and yeah, I think this space, this moment in time, I will, I will never forget. It's very special because you know you're about to give birth, but at the same time, the minutes seem very long when you're in labor. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, and I think um, at that moment, I, I decided I really need to go inward. Um, and not let my thoughts um, take over because otherwise you you let your mind um, lead you and, and, and then you, you get scared because it's something new that you're no, your body has never experienced and you don't know how how to handle it. So I, I decided, okay, I really need to go inward and just focus on breathing. And when you arrived, um, I remember you told me, relax your face, breathe, and immediately... I, I felt relaxed because you were here and because yeah. someone was, you know, holding space and telling me that it was going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I also noticed the big difference in, 
in her whole attitude and her body posture and like she definitely relaxed a lot more as soon as Tiani Tiani arrived and you know I mean I could tell her to relax but <laughs> I've never done this before <laughs> exactly. and I think it is comforting when you hear it from someone who's witnessed a lot of this before and been there um, when they when they start talking to you and it's, it's a trusted person it really does like it's, it was quite remarkable how her whole body posture you could see like she was coping but like really struggling and as soon as the only sort of came there it became like okay she can manage this like she's not stressing out even though the pain or nothing has changed it's just like her mindset swapped over yeah and the mindset is makes a huge difference uh, whether you think i can do this or or you get scared at every contraction makes a whole difference on how you handle um handle the whole situation so i remember you started timing the contractions and you said okay they are five minutes apart so it's it means we are in active labor um and uh, at that point i told you i don't really feel like going into the car to go to the clinic because uh, our birth plan was to go to, to to genesis um where we could have a natural birth and just have the midwife and, and you as our doula present. And you said, well, you need to make a decision now. Either we have this baby here or at the clinic. Because if you want to have the baby at the clinic, we need to move now. And I remember you said to Marcus, okay, you need to get the car ready now. And I will help her to, to get out of the bath. So everything went very quickly. And you told me, okay, the maternity is at... Um, It's 20 minutes drive, so you're going to have about four contractions to handle while you are in the car. You've done this. You, you can do it. Oh, my God. Those were the longest 20 minutes of my life. <laughs> every, every minute I told him, are we almost there? Are we almost there? Yeah. I mean, I just wanted to, I just wanted to say that I remember arriving and I could see just by looking at you in the bath that your sacrum, you know, the bones behind your lower back, they were starting to expand. And I could see just from your breathing and uh, the tone of your body that this baby was coming. And, and, and when you said, oh, well, you don't really want to move, I was like, well, you need to decide because either the midwife comes <laughs> here or we go to the clinic now. Um, so it was very clear <laughs> that we didn't have a lot of time to be waiting around and making a decision. So that's why, you know, it had to be so clear. Yeah, and I think the nice thing about having you having a doula is also that we didn't need to think about um, speaking to the midwife. So you you were the one who were communicating with her, updating her on what was happening. Um, so when we were on our way to Genesis, you told her that we were coming and so she was ready to uh, welcome us. So I think at that point, if I'm not uh, mistaken, it was about 10 p.m. Um, and it was curfew because it was COVID. Uh, so there was no one on the road and um, th there was some police block, but it, they didn't, they didn't uh, stop us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, there were other cars on the road, um, but it was fairly open. <laughs> and there were some police cars, but I went flying past them. Um, but yeah, just to like a more practical note, so with having a doula there is like, you can't pack the car and be with your wife. You can't do both things at the same time. And like leaving your wife at that moment is, is not a good idea. So it's just, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like a situation where you need that extra pair of hands. You need someone there. You can talk to her and comfort her and be, part of that process with her while you sort out the car. I mean, even though all our bags were packed, it's still like five, 10 minutes before the car is ready to go. Um, it's not like we have the yoga ball in the car because you're using it at home or the bags, I know, you know. So, yeah, I think if I uh, would do it again, definitely again, it has <laughs> someone who can assist with the more practical sides. Yeah. Yeah, small detail. I was, you know, uh, wondering what am I going to wear when I'm going to give birth because you need to be comfortable. 
But at the same time, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know. I made it a big deal in my mind. And uh, I remember when you helped me to dress, I didn't care what I was wearing at all. And I was wearing my slippers. I didn't even put shoes on. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you don't care at that stage. I mean, you really don't care. You really don't yeah. care. I mean, if yeah. it been warmer, you know, you might have just gone in a gown, you know. I mean. Yeah, exactly. It's really not important to yeah. Yeah. yeah, so after the long, what seemed very long uh, car ride, we arrived at Genesis and it was uh, very dark. And um, our midwife, Victoria, uh, welcomed us. And uh, I said, oh, I'm so happy to see you. <laughs> and then she had prepared the room. It was uh, dim light. Uh, the bath was ready. It was warm. Um, and I immediately felt like I wanted to be in the bath. Um, I didn't want to wait one second, and so I just took all my clothes off and I went into the bath. Um, and from from then on, it was really intense. Um, I felt, um, and I I remember that um, what was helping was you and Victoria being very present, fully present. Uh, I felt that with each contraction, you were there. Were telling me you are doing great, you know, words of encouragement really helps because it's so intense that you know you you're not sure what you're doing and your body is doing something that has never done before. And uh, I remember asking Marcus to push uh, with his hands on my lower back, and I wouldn't let him take his hands off. <laughs> so I think for probably six hours you you were pushing with your hands on my lower back. <laughs> Yeah. wasn't that long that wasn't that long <laughs> felt long it wasn't that long <laughs> exactly and um and it was very interesting because uh, there's this phase that's called the transition phase where you you did prepare us that at some point the woman feels that um she can't do it and that's when she's in transition and that's when the baby's about to come but I didn't remember that when I was in labor, you know, I didn't realize, I guess I didn't realize I was in transition phase. So at some point I felt I can't do it. Um, I've been handing every contraction and I thought I was fine. And then there's this phase where I feel like this is endless. Um, this baby is not coming. Help me. <laughs> and I remember turning to you and Victoria and saying, help me, please help me. <laughs> so that's when, um, you said, okay, let's get out of the bath. Let's try new position. Let's try squatting. Let's try uh, squatting on the bed. Let's try different things. And so I, I, I remember you, you told me, it's going to feel like you need to take a pool. And this is what's happening. It's your baby pushing and coming. Um, because I think every woman who's giving birth for the first time feels like, okay, I need to hold on. Like feels like I need to pull. But this is not what's happening. This is the baby pushing, <laughs> the head of the baby coming. That's what you feel. And that's such uh, an interesting sensation. Like I I can't describe it, um, but it feels like you need to go to the bathroom. Um, and instead of holding it, you need to embrace that sensation and just let it be and push further. Um, and for me, that what I remember, I, I think we talked about it again with Marcus, and he remembers it a bit differently from what I remembered. But I didn't feel like I was pushing like in the movies. You know, I just felt like it was very intense. And I even remember that there was a pause between the moment where it's starting to be intense and where I felt the, the, the head of the baby pushing, where... You know, Victoria and you were like, okay, the baby uh, is about to come. But at that time, we went back into the bathtub um, because I didn't feel so comfortable outside of the bath. So we went back into the bathtub and <laughs> and Marcus went in, in, in the bath as well with me. And I remember you said to, to Marcus, uh, you can put your, your swimsuit now if you want to come in the bath. Because I remember you said, oh yeah, there was a French couple and then the dad just came naked in the bath and everyone was feeling a bit awkward. <laughs> <laughs> so you, so yeah. you came in the, in the bath with me. And I was I, the whole I time in the bath with you, baby. 
<laughs> and I, I don't know how long, how long, how long did that phase last? Do you remember? When, so, when it was the pushing phase, the last phase? Yeah, I mean, last phase was probably about 30 minutes, I think. Um, but I, I had been in the bath with you from the very beginning. So as soon as you got in, I also went in. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think we have some different recollections of how it all unfolded. <laughs> and, and it does, it does. But, and this is the beauty of birth is that even though you're having the same experience, your child is being born, you're experiencing it very differently. Obviously, Marcus is experiencing it more emotionally, whereas um, Deborah, you're experiencing it emotionally and the intensity of the physical. Um, yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so that, that phase was uh, quite short, but extremely intense. Um, I, I don't think it was painful. Like if if I remember it now, I, I didn't think, oh, wow, that's painful. It was more like, wow, I've never felt this sensation before. It's really foreign and I, I'm not sure how to handle it. Um, and it's, it's when you told me you need, you need to let go just as if you were going to the bathroom that at that moment it clicked because in, before that I, I felt a bit lost I, I didn't really know what to do how to handle these contractions but then at, there was that moment where it clicked and you and Victoria were like that's it this is how how you do it and that's when um, the, the baby started coming out and um, and then I remember Victoria was checking it because we asked her to be very hands-off um, we didn't want to have any checked or I, I didn't know how dilated I was. Um, so she, I asked her to check and she said, okay, you are at nine centimeters at that, at some point. And so we knew, uh, that, uh, the baby was coming. And then I think there's a little pause, uh, and then it's like, wow, you know, he's really coming. Um, she said, I can see his head. <laughs> And uh, and Marcus, you were behind me at that point, um, and we wanted you to catch the baby, but I think um, it was not possible given the position. <laughs> but you quickly were handed uh, our baby when when he came, and uh, then he was um, put on my chest. And it was just um, very surreal, you know, because you are in in this bubble during labor, and then suddenly you have a baby. In on your chest so it felt very surreal um a great relief that labor is over and um and you know some people ask me oh do you feel this unconditional love as soon as you see a baby and for me it was not that it was more i was in awe of the miracle you know that i just had given life i couldn't believe it um and um and I think for me, the love came gradually. Of course, I felt very protective and I, I you know, I was, I was very happy, but uh, I wouldn't say that it's unconditional love at, at first sight. And, um, and he immediately wanted to, to breastfeed <laughs> as soon as he came out. And I remember telling you were like, okay, he wants to, he wants to feed. So you helped him to latch. <laughs> So that was that was very nice, um, and it was yeah, it was beautiful, and everything went quiet, um, and we just hugged. And I remember Marcus uh, saying to my ear, "Wow, baby, what you just did was fucking beautiful." <laughs> oh, amazing! And that's like the best thing you can ever hear if you've just had a baby. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> And for you, Marcus, how was it? The yeah, moment I mean, you were born. Yeah, it's definitely not like the movies. Well, ours wasn't like the movies. Um, it was a lot more gentle. Um, it came out very slowly and very controlled. It wasn't like suddenly he popped out. It was very conscious. And I think also with the midwife's experience, it was handled very well. Um, I remember his cord was slightly around his neck, um, but 
yeah, I mean, it came out and sort of quite quickly as soon as the largest part of the head was out. And then she picked them up and I grabbed them and placed them on Devil's chest. But yeah, it was it was quite surreal that this sort of bump is now turned into this fully sort of fully functional baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely I mean the way we had it was a very yeah, it was very quiet and peaceful, and it sort of allowed you to take it all in and not be like overrushed by the situation. And that's uh, that's what you guys wanted. I mean, that's what you wanted is to really do it slowly and be present and conscious, which which is what you did, which was beautiful to witness. Yeah, exactly. And I'm happy that um, I didn't have any drugs because it really allowed me to be fully present, but also to remember what happened. Even though, you know, there are some memories that are blurry because you are with the hormones, you are in a different uh, space. Um, but I, I feel like I was fully present on the moment, even though some things uh, seem blurry now. And um, yeah, and then I think it's very sacred because once we were the three of us, um, you and Victoria left the room and left us uh you know, alone for a moment to get to know our baby. And his name is Timeo. And he was born at three in the morning. So it was um, really beautiful how we did skin to skin and we saw the sun rise at the same time. And um, and I was exhausted, but I couldn't sleep. Um, I remember Marcus fell like asleep a couple of hours later. He was so tired, but I couldn't, I couldn't sleep. I was just staring at my baby the whole time. <laughs> And I, I remember that I didn't want to break that sacredness, so I didn't text my family right away. I wanted to have that moment just for us before letting everyone know, because I thought, you know, it doesn't make a difference whether we let them know now or in a couple of hours. So I remember purposely leaving my phone off and telling them only later on. Yeah, I mean, we... We asked for a, like a semi-lotus birth, so they, as soon as he was born, we didn't do any checkups on him. We, I mean, his color was good and he looked healthy and fit, so we got to spend an hour just me, Debo, and Timur together, just in the bed, relaxing and just absorbing the, the moment and what had just unfolded. And then... Yeah, which is beautiful to be given that opportunity and the chance to, to. I mean, it goes very quickly, but yeah, it was I think even like an hour and a half. Yeah. Was, yeah in yeah. the movies, you see how the you know the medical staff grabs the baby, measures the baby, and do all kind of stuff. And um, we had watched a documentary on Netflix. Um, and uh, we're like, this is awful. Actually, you start your life being cried by people wearing gloves and, you know, bright light. And so this is exactly uh, what we wanted was something very gentle, very quiet, um, very peaceful. And this is how he was born. And, uh, and I think it's an amazing way to come into this world. <laughs> and, and, you know, if you think of him now, because how, how many months is he now? Uh, he's almost 10 months. Almost 10 months. So if you think of him now, and I mean, he's been here now for 10 months. Um, I mean, do you think that the birth has impacted him in a positive way? Do you feel like he is a a calmer child? I mean, not that you would know because it's your only baby you've had. But if you look at other people, do you feel like that's impacted who he is? So he was. <laughs> So I mean, he was a very placid child for for a very, for a very long time until he learned how to crawl, and then sort of since then he's now very active and very curious about everything. Um, yeah. But I mean, it's it's hard to say with all the different personalities what what caused it. 
but I'm very like happy with with the way he is, his personality. He's very sort of confident in a way, or sure of himself. Um, he's not shy. Um, but yeah, honestly, the first four months, like he, I think we heard him cry like for the, yeah, like once or twice or three times. Uh, we didn't. We thought we'd given birth to an angel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it it really made a difference because he he was very peaceful. He wouldn't cry without any reason. Um, he was very calm. And I remember I went out for coffee with other moms. Uh, the first time I went out, and he was I think three months old. And he was so calm. He was just observing people and what was going on. And everyone told me, is he always this calm? Does he ever cry? They were really surprised. Um, and I do think having a gentle birth, having your parents, um, you know, you know they are there, you know you're safe. I think it does uh, affect the way you are and you start your life. And um, And actually now the fact that he's, you know, very social, like he it was his first day at preschool today, and he didn't cry once. And the, the teacher told me, I've never seen a baby not cry once at during his first day at school. Um, and I think partly it is because we always um, responded to his needs, so he never had to cry, basically. Um, whatever he needed, we were there for him, and he, he knows that he's loved and, you know, whatever he needs. Uh, so he doesn't need to cry. Um, so, I mean, as we as we begin to wrap up the story, I mean, is there anything, I mean, I've got a question for each of you still, but is there anything else you'd like to add at this point? Well, I want to thank you, Theoni, um, from the bottom of my heart. I, I, I did uh, write you a card after after we had the birth, but uh, you, you made a huge difference uh, for us in our, our birth story and and how we experience birth, and um, I wouldn't have it any other way now that I, I think about it and I remember everything. Um, thank you for accepting to be our doula, um, even if it was a last-minute <laughs> request. Um, it was so special, and you made it extra special for us. So thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. No, I think I mean we. We were one of the lucky ones that managed to have the birth that we wanted and that we envisioned. Um, but it also didn't just happen. Like we, we made sure that if we rolled those light dice, that they were going to be in our favor. And yeah, my wife did an amazing job with all her insomnia and reading up and listening to podcasts and mentally preparing herself for it. Um, so I think it's it's a lot of people say it's sort of out of their control, and what happens on the day is definitely out of your control. But everything that leads up to that day is very much in your control, and I would suggest that you take full advantage of those nine months to prepare yourself mentally and physically for it's yeah you know, what you're about to. Um, the journey you're about to go in. It's like, it's, I mean, if you think how hard people train for marathons and comrades and all of that, this is nothing in compared to that. And if you fail on a marathon, you can try next year. Like this is not a point where, you know, you want to fail. You want to get it right and use those nine months wisely uh, to make sure that, you know, physically and mentally and your team and everything is ready for the day, regardless of what comes. Mm, that's lovely. <clears throat> Thanks. So in ending off, I'd like to ask you, Deborah, what words of wisdom would you like to share with the moms um, that are becoming parents, um, which you ha had wished you were told before you became a mother? To trust yourself. Um, because I think it's very easy in this uh, vulnerable phase of your life when you are pregnant, you know, not really yourself, so you feel vulnerable. And then once you've given birth, you feel vulnerable because you don't you don't know what you're doing as a new mom. And I think 
to trust yourself for me was really an important lesson because actually you know the answer and you know what you need you know you know you know your body you, you know your baby you are the one who has given birth to your baby so you, i think to trust yourself is the best gift you can give to yourself and trusting your body trusting that you can do it now every time i speak with a friend who who is pregnant and is scared of giving birth i tell her trust your body your body knows even if you are not sure even if your mind is telling you you can't do it trust trust your body <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, don't always trust your mind because your mind can tell you all sorts of things, but trust your exactly. body. Exactly. Your trust your body. Yeah. Your body knows. Yes. Absolutely. Lovely. Thank you so much, guys. Again, I just want to say how, you know, the, when you told the story, this is how this podcast came to be. And I just absolutely love that. Um, and I think Marcus wants to say something else. <laughs> uh, you never asked me my question. Well, I assume my question was what advice um, would I give <laughs> um, men that are about to become fathers or on this journey? Um, I think from men we quite we quite easily say, okay, it's the woman's doing giving birth, and I'll leave everything up to her, and you know she's now the chief in command when it comes to the birthing section and I'm going to step back because I don't really have anything to say or any way of contributing. And I think that's wrong. Not, you're not, you can't lead the situation, but it's definitely important that you contribute wherever you can. And so try and make it as much a, a team thing and also just yeah, be as present and as you know, as committed as you'd be as if you were in charge of this whole operation that was about to unfold. Wow, wow, wow. I really, really enjoyed listening um, to you, Deborah and Marcus, and your story. And what really comes across for me, having, you know, been part of birth for so long, is that you both were very conscious conscious in your decision to actually this is who I want to have a baby with um, this is how we want to do it um, you did have a doula but you were, didn't really feel connected to her then you found me and I just feel like it was really a conscious journey to bringing yes. your your baby into the world uh, and I think it's yes. it's beautiful that the more people can be conscious and aware of that it's not just, okay, well, when the baby's here, then we'll do X, Y, and Z. No, actually, it's part of the journey. The pregnancy, the birth is part of getting babies here. And to become parents um, is that journey of being pregnant. Exactly. How was it for you? Yeah, I actually think it's the beauty of having a, a baby late, in quotes, because I don't feel it was late. For me, it was the perfect moment in my life. Um, because you have the maturity and the, and the wisdom to acknowledge that um, you don't know anything about birth. I didn't know anything about birth. Um, and to seek information, um, yeah, and to, to learn from different people who are experienced by asking questions, by speaking to your friends who had babies. Um, and I think this process is so important. And I think even though I'm very impatient and the nine months seemed quite long towards the end uh, because Timeo came after due date. So he really tested our, our patience. And I think for me, that was my lesson here was that things take time. And if you take time to consciously understand what you are going through and what, wh where you're going, um, then you can have uh, the birth that you want. And, um, and why, the reason why I wanted to share my story is that when I, I shared my story with um, with family, with, with close friends, they said, oh, you are so lucky you had a quick labor, six hours, so quick, uh, and you didn't have any um, painkillers or anything. Oh, you are so lucky, you are so lucky. And I want to say, no, I wasn't lucky. I think often we rely on other people um, and we think we don't know anything, so... I'm just going to 
uh, trust this person that I've never met before. Uh, he's a doctor. He has a degree, so he's gonna do it for me. But no, you, you are the one giving birth, and you are the one who are who is the first person who can have an influence about how your birth goes. Lovely. Okay, so on our next episode, we are enjoyed by another amazing woman who has two different, very different birthing stories, and yet has so much richness and wisdom in her words and she is very real so if you don't like swearing maybe you shouldn't listen um but it is <laughs> or maybe really... you should listen <laughs> or maybe you should listen so uh, because she's really real and that's what i love about her um about who she is and i don't want to give too much away about about her um her birth stories but they really are worth listening to and she she brings a depth into motherhood um, that I think few people are able to to go there and then me being like okay okay let's get this baby out you know like <laughs> so yeah it definitely came up but I think you know like whatever that may be for you I think it could be sexual trauma it could be um stuff around your your mother you know that stuff comes up it comes up in your birth whether you like it or not and that's what is so incredible about the birthing experience thank you so much for listening to the becoming mother podcast please please follow us on social media uh, becoming mother podcast and um, you are welcome to reach out to us by email becomingmother.podcast at gmail.com uh, and we are so happy that we are building this community and uh, that uh, women can share their stories and learn from each other. Thank you for listening to the Becoming Mother podcast. We hope you felt inspired, touched, and that you learned something. Feel free to share the love and share this episode with your sisters, your mothers, and your friends.